Well, good morning, everybody. It's a great privilege for me to bring God's Word. And I was again just amazed as I studied God's Word how profound it is and uh, how spectacular it is. And so um, I bring you to the Word today, and hopefully I won't be a distraction, but you'll see the Word and see God for who He is. I've titled my message, The Incomprehensible God. So before we open the word, let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, teach us from your word today, I pray. I pray that your Holy Spirit would work among us, that it would work through the words that I speak from your word to each heart. Lord, I pray that it would be directed to each individual as they have need this morning. And Lord, I just pray that you would be exalted, that you would be glorified, and that we would leave this place seeing uh, a greater, magnificent, amazing God that, we, that you are. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open to Proverbs, but I will have the Scripture on the screen. And we're uh, starting in Proverbs chapter 30. But what's interesting is um, most of Proverbs is by Solomon, as you know, but chapter 30 is by a gentleman named Agur, and uh, also chapter 31 is by a different author. So of all the Proverbs we have, the chapters, these are two different authors. And so we'll start here with verse number one. The words of Agur, son of Jacob, the oracle, the man declares, I am weary, O God, I am weary, O God, and worn out. And so, perhaps you've had a tough week. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I'm weary and worn out, or from time to time I have that myself, especially as I'm getting older. And uh, sometimes uh, work can be heavy and different things can be heavy in our life. But I think it's uh, this man, from from what we learn from the verses that come after, he was wrestling with things, and sometimes we, we wrestle with things and wear ourselves out, and some questions, there, we would love answers for certain questions in our lives, but we don't, uh, God doesn't always give us the answers, and so sometimes uh, that can uh, wear on us. We'll move on here, and the first, uh, if you look at your bulletin on the back, you can, if you need to write some notes down, I got some fill in the blanks. And the first one here is uh, we're going to talk about genuine humility. And I was just noticing that with Dan's prayer about pride. And uh, I was wondering, did you read what I was going to preach on? But, uh, you know, humility doesn't come easy for most of us. And uh, we'll see this, this uh, uh, Agur is amazing what he writes here in the beginning here. So I wrote down, genuine humility is the only path of wisdom. Now listen to what he writes here. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Shocking, when I read this, I thought, did he really say that? And I was thinking, you know, in our day and age, if you were going to introduce a speaker, you might say, well, he has a doctorate and a PhD, and we list all his experience and And then we expect to hear something great, right? Well, this guy, he does the opposite. And he lists 
that fact that he's stupid. I had to look it up in the dictionary. Stupid, slow to understand, dumb, showing a lack of intelligence. And, and I think the key point of this, uh, these verses here is those who would be truly wise must first acknowledge their ignorance. And it, it seems like this language is extreme to get our attention, but I think when you see the following verses, it'll become, uh, you'll understand why he starts out this way. And so I wrote down these two questions, and I'm not going to answer, but I think as the message goes along, we'll be able to answer these. Uh, were these words of truth, or were they overly modest? Was this false humility, dishonoring, denying the work of God? And then in Peter, we have this about all Scripture, and I thought it's good for us to look at this. For it says, no, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Agur spoke from God, and he was carried along by the Holy Spirit to put those words down. So we have to acknowledge that. And then um, I have here uh, Paul. These are other individuals in the Bible who reflected on their lack of intelligence, you might say, or, or just acknowledging uh, where they were at. And so Paul, uh, comparing himself with the perfect law, says, But I am of flesh, sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate, he says in Romans. And then I have a, <coughs> a few other examples. Uh, but I wanted to read, in our text today, we're going to have very similar questions that we see in the book of Job. And I have Job's uh, on the top there, what his answer is. But I wanted to read some of what God said to Job. And, and on your own, uh, you could do this at home. I'm just going to read 18 verses. But if you would read, it goes on for um, two or three chapters. And I remember the first time I read it, I thought, God, isn't one chapter enough? Because he keeps going and keeps saying it. But, but uh, God knows what he's doing. And I think that all of us, when we have very difficult things that we can't find the answer for, sometimes we want to question God or we question his word. We want certain answers for certain things in, in the Bible, and, and, we, and this is uh, something that's important. But listen now as I just read uh, these verses uh, from Job chapter 38. And this is, uh, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? <clears throat> Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. <clears throat> Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Excuse me. <clears throat> who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched out the line upon it? Or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors, when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come, 
and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. And this is Job's response here in chapter 40. He says, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. And then David says this in Psalm 30, uh, 73. My soul was embittered when I was pricking my heart. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. And so now we come to the four questions in our text today. And after Agur states uh, his stupidity, he asks these questions. And I think what we have to remember is uh, the Scripture says we're not to be wise in our own eyes. And so uh, this is why these questions are important because uh, sometimes we think uh, we are wise, but we aren't. So who has ascended to heaven and come down? And the answer to all these questions are no human being has. And so only God could take, go from earth up to heaven and come down. And then the next question, uh, who has gathered the wind in his fist? Now because we're believers and we have scripture, um, we know this story. But I thought I would read this story because it's uh, just an example of how our God controls the wind. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Jesus said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? <clears throat> and so the next question he has is, who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? And a good way to understand this is a verse from Job 26.8 that says, He binds up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not split open under them. So again, no human being is able to do these things, only our God. Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son na son's name? Surely you know. And it's almost as if the writer is, is uh, like taunting uh, a person who would say that I'm smart or have intelligence because he was saying, surely you know. And even we saw that in our text from Job. God says, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. And I've found it interesting just to get our attention that it goes that far to just to, for us to say, no, we, we don't know. And if it wasn't for God's word, we, we can't answer these questions. And so this, this last uh, question there, what is his name or what is his son's name? Some of the commentators, you know, talked about 
we know, of course, God's Son is Jesus, and so we could say that. But I think the point of these questions are just to remind uh, no human being without the knowledge of God's Word knows the answers to these questions. <clears throat> and uh, I have written down here, I wanted to read this. Uh, now we can see why Agur acknowledged his stupidity. Now that he was contemplating the majesty of God, so wondrous in his works, so incomprehensible in his nature, it's like his eyes were blinded by the dazzling blaze of the sun. And this text has that same uh, uh, kind of idea to it, and I wanted to share this from 1 Timothy. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the wise King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Do you feel like you're getting smaller? That's what I feel like when I study this and when I read this, is that I'm getting smaller and God is getting, is getting greater and bigger. I think that's the, uh, the idea that we're, we're uh, getting through this message. Interestingly, this is the perfect segue into that God's perfect revelation. And of course, we're talking about the Bible here. <clears throat> and we just, uh, if without God's Word, by our own discovery, we cannot know God. And that's important to remember because we can see some of His creative works, but we cannot know God without, on our own. And so the very first line that uh, we have in our text here, every word of God proves true. And I wanted to emphasize the first two words, so I underlined it there. And for, in 2 Timothy, we read, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So if we humble ourselves and admit that uh, we are very limited in our knowledge and compared to God, it's like our knowledge is really almost nothing. But we see that through the Word of God, we've been given this special revelation. And it's important to note that every word of God is important. So this revelation, there's a danger if we only take certain texts and emphasize those, then we're neglecting the full revelation. And Pastor, in the couple weeks here is going to be going through the book of Leviticus verse by verse and that's not a book that a lot of us are in a lot but it's there because God wants to teach us something and we have to remember with the word of God it's always meant to speak to our hearts and to change our conduct so we never uh, just read God's word just to uh, become smarter or so we can uh, show off to other people or whatever, but it's, also, it's always to speak to our heart and to change our conduct. And so when, when we approach God's Word, it's never just can you do the outward actions that God's asking. It's no, is your heart right? Is your desire to please Him? Is your desire to do what's right? Every word of God proves true. Same line, but I just want to emphasize that uh, it proves true. And this was in Psalm 12:6. The words of the Lord are pure words, 
like silver, silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. And so what we know about God's Word is it's the absolute truth. Okay? Every, every word in the original manuscript was absolutely true. And so everything else is tested by the Word of God. And, and so it's important for us in our day, I don't think we, we have that uh, priority of the Word in this church, but it's important because the Word is under attack in different churches and in different places around our world. And so we want to uh, say that we stand with our Word, uh, God's Word, and we just want to... Uh, but I know that pastor, I think in the Jewish tradition, sometimes they held the Word up as it's been read. And I think the idea there is that we're looking up at the Word. You see, the danger is, is if we start looking down, picking the Word apart. We start saying, well, this verse I don't understand, so I'm just going to never talk about that, or I don't believe that. And some, some verses are hard to understand, and so when we don't fully, fully comprehend them, there's a danger that we would start uh, leaving some of Scripture out. I went to uh, Thomas Jefferson's house in uh, Montebello. In fact, uh, my son and I went together, and uh, I saw in his Bible how he... I saw literally his Bible, he took certain verses out. I thought, man, that was, you know, most of us wouldn't literally take them out, but we might, uh, just by the way we live, uh, actually be doing that. And so there were two quotes in, by Charles. Uh, well, first I wrote this line on the top, that the Word judges our lives, not us judging God's Word. And so, like I said earlier, this is the absolute truth. And we, we check everything with this, like the plumb bob it is. We say like a straight line. If, it, if we're going to check something, if it's straight, we look to the God's Word like a carpenter would. But these two quotes, I thought, uh, were interesting by this commentary by Charles Bridges. And he said, The Word of God, there must we stoop and bow down our souls before it. Sometimes we, it takes humbling to do that and he said unless a man stoops he can never enter the door and so when we talk about humility especially in things that are hard to understand in the scripture it's important to say even though we don't understand it because we know God's word is absolutely true we trust it and we believe it and the next line we have in our text here is he is a shield to those who take refuge in him and uh, what beautiful words. Um, we need holy reverence for God's Word is combined with trust in God. Happy trust brings a shield of special favor over His children. And that's how I look at the shield is we, look, we need protection in our life. And by trusting in Him, we receive protection. In all circumstances, from within and from without, whatever is troubling us, He is my shield. Nothing honors God like our trusting in Him in every time of need. Here we find rest, peaceful confidence, safe harbor for our souls. And then we read this in our text, Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. Um, strong strong uh, warning there 
And I think in different times in history, the church has erred in this way. The Jewish culture had a, a long list of uh, additional things they added to Scripture. Uh, the Catholic Church has, has done the same thing. And, and I think in our day, it's good for us to search our hearts and we might start thinking about somebody walks in the door dressed a certain way and we, we don't have a written rule around here, but my mother-in-law was telling me how many rules there were when she grew up in the church. Uh, they had a whole list of rules. And so we don't want to do that. We don't want to add to uh, God's Word in doing that. And also, I, I think in a sense, we're distorting I don't know if we're adding to his words, but we're for sure distorting it if we only take certain texts or certain scripture, and like the prosperity gospel, where you would just take certain texts and isolate them and make a whole uh, uh, doctrine or message out of, out of that. And so there's a danger, and that's why we need Leviticus. We're going to go through Leviticus. And if you've been in this church for a while, we started, we did Genesis, and we went to the New Testament, and then we went back and did Exodus back to the New Testament, and now we're going back to uh, the Old Testament. So we need the entire Scripture. And we know this is a common, you, I'm sure you've heard this warning at the end of our Bibles in Revelations. I warned everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life, and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Very stern, uh, strong warning. And I think that another good thing to remember is we, we dare not make a God of our own imagination. And by using this book, we will know God for who He really is. And so that's, that's another thing that um, people have made comments like, well, the God I believe in wouldn't do this or wouldn't do that. And that's, we don't want to start going there. When God's Word clearly states uh, who He is, we don't want to start making up a God of our own imagination. And then he has at the end of our message here uh, two prayer requests. He says, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. And it's almost like... Um, an earnest prayer somebody would say on their deathbed, right? Before the end of their life. Uh, he, he requests two things. And uh, so the two things uh, he asks, this is the first one. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. And so I wrote this in our bulletins uh, on our outline here. Honesty according to God's word. And... Falsehood and lying is in the negative sense, but if you, the flip side of that is we want to be honest, right? We want to be honest people. And um, interesting that he, uh, he says, remove far from me. And in studying this, it could be I don't want anybody else to lie to me or deceive me. But also, mo more importantly, I want to look in my own life and see if there is any falsehood and lying in me. And I remember a gentleman said to me one time that he didn't go to church anymore because he knew these people were Christians, but on the job site, they were telling dirty jokes. And, and so he said, uh, I don't want to be where hypocrites are. And so he didn't go to church anymore. And I said to him, 
there's a little hypocrisy in all of us, the sad thing is. And I'll have to admit there is in me. As much as I, I'm a leader here, I would love to say that there's no falsehood in lying in me. But as I studied this week, you know, I thought about different things in my life. Uh, sometimes I would, uh, in, in the past, would say to my wife, I promise I'll do this, or I'll promise you I'll do that. Or uh, I have an inspector coming. I have uh, a third-party audit, perhaps tomorrow. We don't know for sure. But uh, so over the course of my life, dealing with th the government regulations, it's been, it's been hard for me to sometimes feel that I'm not being deceptive and that I'm not being a liar. And I don't want to be that. But I think that the important part is the part in remove. My, my attitude is, no, I don't want that. But yet, when I leave here, and tomorrow morning go to work, I have to put into practice and use wisdom in applying God's Word. And so, I would just say, uh, this is an interesting prayer request, right? Uh, he has two requests, and this is one. And uh, the second one is this. Uh, and uh, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. So I wrote this uh, heading, Satisfaction in God's Provision. Um, and interestingly, in the Bible, especially the Old Testament and, and most of Proverbs, you never hear him praying for less. I mean, we feel like material things are a blessing and, and all things being equal, uh, we, we, we ask for God's blessing and we, we receive God's blessing. But he was, in a sense, asking uh, for the middle road, as we see. He asked for, uh, feed me with the food that is needful for me. Something like uh, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, give us our daily bread, right? But uh, we see his two reasons that he gives here. Uh, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? And I don't know uh, about your journey with the Lord, but uh, when we are full, I, I can use, uh, say, not just food, but when the bills are paid and there's money in the savings account and everything seems to be going well, it's easier to forget God and Think about going through a day where all day long you never said thank you to him, right? And when we are uh, in need, sometimes when we have pain in our lives, uh, not just uh, material things, but in our relationships and, and different things that happen, we, uh, we go to the Lord in earnest prayer. And so that's a real danger of uh, materialism, um, being full, as he says, is that uh, we would, in a sense, deny who is the Lord by our lives ignoring him. And so I just encourage us, and that's partly why we pray at mealtime, right? We, we want to give thanks to the Lord. But I find myself sometimes uh, just I kind of, you know, I'm by myself. I rattle a prayer off, and then I'm starting to eat, and I think, did I pray? I just did it so by rote that I didn't even really think about it. And that's, that's not right. That's not from the heart. And so I think we need to be sincere and, and give God thanks. And then his other extreme that he says, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord. And I think in our Western world, in our culture, there's, and I would just guess in a room like this, most of us 
are not that poor where we need to steal for our food. I think that's what's referring to, but, but he's concerned about the name of the Lord. And so we wouldn't want to do anything to, to, uh, to, to profane his name. And so that's why he's choosing the middle road. Let's see here, uh, this text in Timothy uh, I have down here. But if we have food and clothing, with these we, we, will, we will be content. Um, boy, that's not a lot, is it? That's uh, pretty minimum. You know, uh, most of us aren't, aren't uh, lacking in those two departments, I would say, in this room here. Um, that's, this is what Paul says here. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So we see the danger <clears throat> that's here before us. And then I wanted to switch. This is... Uh, near the end of my message, but I wanted to, because I titled the message uh, The Incomprehensible God, I debated whether that was a good title because uh, we as believers, we can comprehend God. We have His Word, and yet um, we cannot fully comprehend Him, and where we, uh, in a sense, uh, don't have answers for, for certain struggles in life and problems. Uh, we have to just uh, worship Him for who He is and trust Him as we talked about earlier. But these, uh, I wanted to end, end the message with this. Uh, do you know God? And so this is a good question for all of us to ask, even as Christians. Uh, do, we, do we know Him? And this, this verse here uh, talks about that. Let's read that. The man who claims to know God but does not obey his laws is not only a liar but lives in self-delusion. But the more a man obeys God's laws, this is in the Phillips translation, by the way, but the more a man obeys God's laws, the more truly and fully does he show his love for him. Obedience is the test of whether we really live in God or not. The life of a man who professes to be living in him must live as Christ lived. I don't know what you feel when you read that. Uh, for me, my heart sinks a little bit because I think I was just sharing with you about falsehood and lying, some of my own struggles. Um, and so when I read that, I think, boy, that's a strong, strong warning about uh, walking in obedience. That's how I know that you're a believer if you're walking in obedience. That's how you know if I'm a believer. But the, the beautiful thing that comes right prior to these verses, and I purposely did it this way, is we have uh, Jesus who made personal atonement for our sins. And so the worst thing I could do here today is, is have you guys feel convicted and feel heavy and leave here without uh, going to Jesus to, uh, with, with whatever God convicts you of here today. Uh, go to Jesus and confess your sin. 
And let's read this. I write these things to you, my children, to help you to avoid sin. But if a man should sin, remember that our advocate before the Father is Jesus Christ, and he is just, the one who made personal atonement for our sins and for those of the rest of the world as well. It is only when we obey God's law that we can be quite sure that we really know him. And so the question is, um, has Jesus made a personal atonement for your sins? And I'll give a little time of silence at the end of the message, I think, where if you're a believer and you feel uh, any of God's laws, not just uh, some of what we talked about today is convicting you, take that time and confess those sins to Jesus. And then when you leave this place, uh, be diligent to follow the Lord and to follow His, uh, his word and His uh, laws and in that way prove that you know him right we prove that we are who we are that we are in Christ and so I would say if anybody here is not a believer I don't expect you to obey those laws because in a sense you're a slave to sin and I know that from my own life I'll speak from my own experience that until you commit your life to Jesus confess your sin and turn from your sin you're a slave to it and whether you know it or not, you cannot break that. And so um, the only way you break that is by going to the cross. And I would say during that time of silence, if that's you, just to take that moment and, and confess your sin and invite Jesus into your heart and make it your goal to trust him for everything in this life and for the next so let's have a, a maybe just a five minutes or so, something like that in silence here. And then I'll uh, just uh, close us in prayer after that. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank You that You have given this avenue of prayer that we can just meet with You one-on-one -on -one whenever we need to and I just uh, thank you even for this uh, time that we had this morning to reflect on your word and to even reflect on uh, how big you are and in a sense uh, incomprehensible so great are your works so mighty are your deeds uh, you are perfect in love Everything you do is, is perfect. And you've said in your word uh, that you are light and in you there is no darkness at all, Lord. We should know that's doubly stated that you are holy and you are not capable of doing anything that's uh, not right that has any darkness in it, Lord. Help us, Lord, when we struggle sometimes with questions in our lives about our own situation, circumstances, and also when we have questions about Your Word, Lord, help us to um, just acknowledge that um, Your thoughts are higher than ours. Your ways are, are higher than ours, and our minds are, are small and limited 
in that we cannot uh, comprehend even all the things that you are doing uh, in our lives and around us. Lord, I pray that uh, we would uh, walk out of this service thinking about honesty in our lives, that we would want to be honest, and that we would um, be satisfied with the provision, Lord, that you've given us. And each of us, uh, uh, I trust, Lord, we have food and clothing, but if there's anyone among us who who is in need, I pray they would come come to the church, to me, to the other leaders, that we would help help each other in those things, Lord. Help us not to be um, ignoring you, Lord. Help us to uh, to be thankful this week, Lord, every every hour to have thoughts of you and and your your great uh, salvation for us, Lord. The greatest gift is your Son Jesus. We're thankful for the, the work that he did on the cross, the perfect life he lived, so that we don't have to pay the just penalty for our sins, that we, don't ha- are, we are not receiving the wrath of God that we deserve, but it's on Jesus because we have trusted in Jesus. I pray that each person here today would trust you fully, for tomorrow, but also for eternity, that their sins would be covered by your blood, Lord, and that your, their future is in your hands each day. Lord, help us to remember that you are our shield and that you uh, protect your children and, and you, whatever you allow, you will use even for our good. And only you can do that, Lord. And so, Lord, uh, be with us as we close out this service. I pray now in Jesus' name, amen.